Episode number four, in which we discuss episodes six and seven. Six and seven. Season one. Moaning Lisa and Call of the Simpsons. So we're going to start, as we always do, with the first one out of two. Yes. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) So let's let's dig into Moaning Lisa. So this is the season one episode in which it is revealed that Lisa suffers from crippling depression. Yep. And uh, she meets a jazz man and some stuff happens there. Meanwhile, Homer is uh, desperately trying to beat the shit out of his son in a video boxing game. Yes. All right. So first thing I want to note about this episode is the, the chalk gag. The chalkboard gag. Okay, chalkboard gag. You know, the, uh, the little thing at the start where Bart... I don't know if people are familiar with this, but uh, <laughs> at the start of this... They know. Anyway, what the... the Simpsons? What is chalk exactly? But they start this uh, one... I think it's like a calcium thing. How much, Sorry, did I how, much your... how much more do you know? How much can you tell us about chalk right now? It ends with calcium thing. How do they get it coloured? Food dye? Okay, well, um, the well, cho- other, other colored chalk. <laughs> okay, well, the uh, the the little gag on this one, Bud is writing, "I will not instigate revolution," well, on the board, which feels uh, particularly potent at this current time. And I I don't know when this episode will go up exactly, yeah, but sure. we are currently thirteen days into the rain, I think, at this point. Yeah, but uh, anyway, there's a. There's this implication here that Bud is a <laughs> passive political observer. He's not going to get it. He's not going to start anything. He's not a revolutionary, which I think sort of carries through in the episode itself. We'll get into that a bit interesting, more. Interesting. So in this episode, we've got an eight-year-old girl suffering from depression. There's quite a bit to dig into in this one. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to start on a nice, simple note, which is the first shot of Lisa we see. She's standing in the bathroom, staring at her own face in the mirror. And on the bathroom sink is a tube of toothpaste branded glum. Glum. Now, a couple of questions there. Um, is that a brand that's going to reoccur throughout the rest of the season? Are they a brand... Because, you know, like, uh, the brand that does... Well, all the toothpaste brands, they also do other stuff like mouthwashes and things like that. Sure. Sometimes they even branch out into uh, dental floss and things like that. Is there a glum floss... Is there a glum wash? What is is glum? Is there glum floss? Well, I just naturally assumed it was a, um, just a tube of glue that the animators had fucked up. Ooh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Maybe that's why she's so sad. She went to brush her teeth and then stuck her whole face together. I mean, we've all been there, haven't we? Uh, no. Did you not notice I had to cut my mouth open before this podcast? I thought that was just a thing you always did. Well, it is a thing that I always do, but this time there was a reason behind it. (laughs) I see. So, so Lisa's depressed. We get a little montage at the start of her uh, being upset about things, having a hard time dealing. One of these things is that Marge walks out and announces there are only two cupcakes left. Lisa says she doesn't want one. Homer is gleeful about this. He's very glad to receive a cupcake that Lisa isn't getting. Is Homer a bad father? 
Nick. Um, My name's James, by the way. Oh, yeah. That's James and, and I'm Nick. I keep re- remembering that we're not actually people that people know and we need to say who we are. I wonder if other people are going to think our voices sound... Do, do our voices sound at all similar? I don't think they do. I don't think they do. But I don't think... There, there are other podcasts I listen to where I don't think the voices sound s- f- similar. Oh. Yeah, I went. I saw you go to make a very specific reference there and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and pull out of it. Yeah, just how insular can we get exactly? <laughs> Super insular. Um, is Homer a bad father? Well, I would pose that in 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 two parts. Sure, of course. Firstly, you cupcakes are delicious. Secondly, who really cares about parenting? <laughs> That's probably fair. I mean, the cupcakes in the season one Simpsons world all look like garbage, though. They look like it, yeah, like bran muffins or like banana bread gone wrong. Super, super garbage. Yeah, absolute super bullshit garbage. Have you ever noticed how much of a villainous figure in this series Mr. Lago is? What an absolute piece of shit he is. That's a really good point. Because I was thinking about it. He pops up here and he's... Most characters on The Simpsons have some sort of, if not a redemptive arc, some sort of... Uh, a moment where they turn out to not be that bad or mm. they have some sort of thing within them that makes them okay. Lago's just an absolute dickhead every time mm. we see him. That's a really interesting. In this instance, he's just uh, he's getting angry at Lisa for wanting to be creative. He's shooting her down. For being too good, essentially. Yeah. Stop bringing talent. Stop bringing talent to my school band is so- the underlying premise of what he says. And that's, you know, that's probably fair enough. Who wants a talented school band? It's always, I know, it's a little awkward when you see, like, kids who are doing, like, a really good job of performing music because, you know, (laughs) you can enjoy it on some level, but you're thinking, you know, they're still just children. This isn't actually entertaining. (laughs) I actually get really, really, really put off by the sound of children's choirs. There's a there's a thinness and a transparency to the voice that just it grinds the very gears of my spine. <laughs> the very gears of your spine. Sure. Did I tell you I have a mechanical spine? Were you ever in the choir in, in school? I, yeah, I was. And the chess club, ladies. So was I, and I I can't sing. It was this weird thing that just happened at a the school we both went to where Where everyone was made to go in the choir. We went to a choir school. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Why is that... that funny anyway? Uh, no, it's not. It's been so a long this, time. This episode on a... Well, oh, speaking of schools, yeah, there's a thing that happens at the school where Lisa is contemplating her sadness sure. o- over lunch. Yep. Um, and the, you know, uh, the incessant nature of the school lunch and the bell and the way that they're hoarded into this room to then, you know, shovel their faces with... Um, Deceit, um, and then a food fight breaks out. Now, here's my question: Sure, a food fights actually a thing that happen in American schools because they are depicted as happening a bloody bugger load of times, and I don't think it's actually a thing. And obviously, in Australia, we have a very different system when it comes to school canteens. Yeah, we don't have the we don't all go and sit in a room together. There's and- not a big communal hall. Yeah. Um, but even in situations where there have been, like on a school camp, where you go, you know, you're staying in somewhere and you have a hall and everyone sits around and has dinner together, rarely has that broken out into a food fight. I have been involved in a clay fight once at school, but that's... Is that when those, um, those clay monsters came and you had to fight them? <laughs> yeah, it was really weird because... Is that time you punched Clay Aiken in the face? <laughs> because that was unwarranted. 
No, the when the Clay Monsters came, it was a really odd. Once fight. again, we went to choir school, so you know, it makes sense. Anyway, carry oh, on. He's a singer. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, no, I was going to make a stop motion joke about how long it took for me to stab them because I had to stop every frame, but it's it's not funny. Uh, food fights are yeah. their thing. If we have an American listener, can someone let me know? If we have any listeners, if, we have <laughs> if any they could let us know what's going on. Uh, I have to say, this episode, on a slightly more serious note, for an early episode in an animated series like this, this is a startlingly accurate portrayal of depression and mental illness. Yeah, that's true. In this episode, not just, you know, how Lisa feels and the way she doesn't... She can't quite express, you know, the specifics of what she's feeling necessarily. She just has this internal sadness and it's slowing her down and it's making it difficult to do things. Mm. And nobody sees it as a real thing. Too sad to play dodgeball. Too sad to play dodgeball. And I fucking love dodgeball. (laughs) I mean, I haven't played it in a good 15 years at this point, but um, I assume I still like it. were you ever part of the groups that were playing killer hacky, or did you just play regular hacky? I don't know. Because I, <laughs> I feel like, the, I mean, the, the closest Some sort reference... of implication here that I must have been hacky sacking at all times. <laughs> well, we went to the choir in hacky sack school. Remember the second wing, the hacky sack wing? <laughs> oh, the hammock district, yes. <laughs> all right, well... Um... Um... Yeah, so, yeah, good, good portrayal, depression, <clears throat> etc. Uh, <clears throat> the other thing going on in this episode... Homer spends the entire episode playing Super Slugfest. Yep. Or possibly just Slugfest. I'm not sure which iteration they're playing in this one. That's true. It's they, a, they keep referring to it as video boxing. Video and it got boxing. to a point where I was like, wait, is that the proper noun name or is that just a very vague description? Do you think this is one of those things where maybe they wrote the script before they animated it and they weren't entirely sure what the name of the thing was going to be? Doesn't seem very likely, James. I don't know. I'm only one man. I can't know these things. But anyway, anyway... So Homer is uh, Homer is glum because his son repeatedly wait. Beats- Homer's a toothpaste. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. So Homer is pasty about the um, just flat out pasty about what's going on. So Bud is repeatedly beating him in this game, and this is a very violent portrayal of any sort of video game. He is super violent. Beating him to death repeatedly. There's blood everywhere. We've already established that Homer is a potential serial killer. He's obviously abusive. Yeah. There's some stuff going on here. Homer spends this entire episode striving to symbolically kill his child. It's pretty intense. Yeah, he's, you know, like, he, obviously he can't... If he if he could get away with it in real life, I think he would. But yeah. he's uh, very invested in the idea of learning how to play this boxing game so he can beat his son until uh, until he collapses dead on the ground. It's like a reverse Oedipus. In that, you know, he wants to... I guess he wants to kill his son and have sex with his own wife, which is... <laughs> oh, wow. It's a double-pronged reverse Oedipus. The other interesting thing, and this... Um, maybe this ties into the, the time travel stuff you've been talking about oh, stuff on like this podcast. Wait, I'm going to sit up and pay attention now. One thing I notice is later on, we go to the arcade. Sure. And the arcade, all the video games portrayed are mostly just like flashing lights and bullshit, which as a video game journalist, <laughs> I can say is accurate. That's what most games are. <laughs> but we get to see what the arcade version of Slugfest looks like. Cool. And it looks exactly the same as the home system version. Now, if we take Ooh. ourselves back to when this season came out and the fact that they seem to be using a pretty shitty joystick controller, one yep. button, 
one joystick. Button. There's not a lot going on. And Do yet this it's a system four-way or an eight-way joystick. Good question. Uh, I'm going to say eight-way. I think judging by some of the movements that Homer was making in the ring when he was trying to evade the punching of the Bart, I reckon it was an eight-way. I would say the complexity of the... Yeah, 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 this definitely seems like the thing to get hung I'm, up on. I'm, I'm glad I stopped down. <laughs> I'm looking over at your notes in the entire page. <laughs> it's it just eight-way, four-way written over and over again. And it's just diagrams. Diagrams of me trying to remember how joysticks work. In any case, this system with a very primitive controller has somehow hosted an arcade perfect port mm. of what seems to be a pretty advanced <laughs> game in this world as mm. the only mm. game that isn't just bullshit and lights. That's true. That is interesting. So is there is technology more advanced in this world? Is it a time travel thing? Is it a colossus thing? I think it's... <laughs> Yes to all of them. I think it is uh, a time travel thing because once again we have the simultaneous kind of split universe within the same world. Of course, where you've got highly advanced for the time being um, home games, in the same time as you've got the highly advanced. I mean, you know, trying to think of other perfect arcade ports. Uh, the first one that comes to mind for me was when they released Time Crisis Four uh, for PlayStation. And the only reason that game sticks in my head is because the the menu screen always made me laugh. Where we go, time crisis, four. It's such a pregnant pause. Okay, <laughs> sure. Sorry, I got all, all of that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> just uh... just snorted on the recording. Oh no. So anyway, sorry. The, um, in the same episode, there's a scene where. Lisa is sent home from school because she said she's too sad. Homer and Marge get given a progress report. It says progress report at the top. It's signed by Skin Dog himself. I've made Skin Dog. It says Lisa refuses to play dodgeball because she's too sad. Is this meant to be? Is she being chided for this? Why is she being sent home for this? Why I is this? What is this note meant to indicate? What is it meant to indicate? Because it doesn't come with any referrals. Is Lisa in trouble here? Or is is the school relatively... Bless you. I wouldn't usually say bless you, but on this podcast, I need to seem like a polite human being. Uh, Gross. Yeah, I, I was a bit confused by that. And then the scene... The, well, I, I think, to be honest, I think the school is chiding and chastising her because everyone except Marge in the very end of the episode takes a horrible view towards mental health. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like it's insane. Like, can you imagine now? Take the dodgeball scene. I'm too sad to play dodgeball. Okay, that's an odd line. But um, can you imagine the the today, tonight, slash a current affair shitstorm that would occur if the teacher said, what, too sad to play dodgeball? That's ridiculous. And then commanded 30 students to continue to throw balls at this person. Huh. Well, one thing I like about this is that you take a... Perfectly reasonable outrage and then attributed to the most unreasonable TV shows around. That's, uh, that's fine, I understand. I like to cut off my own anecdotes. It's, uh... But yeah, the, um, and one thing I picked up in this scene is that when Lisa is sad, Homer doesn't know what to do. He commands Bart to do the vacuuming because he only knows how to punish Bart. And what does Bart do? He just does it. He does the vacuuming, he, he gets the vacuum, it. he's angry, but he does it. What do we know about Bart from the beginning of this episode? Uh, what can he not instigate? Oh, Bart can't instigate revolution. He can't instigate revolution. 
See, this is a callback to the thing that James mentioned at the start of the episode. Yes. And I didn't know he was going to do that, to Whoa. be honest. Whoa. To be honest, I'm pretty impressed. So, I, so this is, I mean, this episode is really about revolution in a lot of ways that I don't is. want to clarify, but it's uh, <laughs> certainly a thing I think that is happening. As long as, long as there are no follow-up questions, <laughs> this is about revolution. Um, when Can I talk about when Lisa starts playing the saxophone? Of course. I find it interesting that Homer refers to it as an infernal racket. Because it is the second time in six episodes of The Simpsons that someone has referred to a horn instrument as being infernal. Okay. And I, th- I kind of feel like it's not a word that anyone ever uses in any context other than discussing horns. What was the other example? Uh, when, when Burns said, will you cease that infernal tootling? Ah, yes, yes, okay. Yeah. Is this some sort of a Dante reference, do you think? I'm almost... Look, if I had any knowledge of uh, film or books or whatever Dante's Inferno is, I'd be able to expand on this further. What about Dante's Pig? Uh, is that the, um, isn't that one stage of whipping egg whites? You have soft peak, firm peak, Dante's Pig? It might be. You're the egg expert. <laughs> the expert. Sorry, that was a horrible joke. I shouldn't have made that. You know what? It was good enough, I think. <laughs> At this stage, we'll take what we can get. At one point in this episode, uh, to try to cheer Lisa up, Bart, he calls Mo on the telephone that they have in their house, and he plays a little joke. He calls him up, and he asks if Jock Strap is there. Jock Strap. Jock. Could you explain this joke to me? Uh, t- to be honest, this one went over my head. Yeah. Um, normally, I'm I'm bang on with the with the um, the Mo jokes. You know, for example, I remember. From um, episode three, Homer's Odyssey, the prank there is IP freely. Yes, that indeed. one I understand immediately. Yeah, because urine is free. Well, I oh, I thought it was intellectual property freely. Someone someone freely steals someone else's intellectual property. I thought it was a copyright gag. Yeah, but it's a copyright gag about peeing. Oh, it's about, pretty, yeah. about urine. Oh wow, yeah. that's deeper than I it's thought. A, it's about you know those um those bumper stickers with Calvin peeing on the. Which technically are in breach of IP law, but because it's so funny, they're allowed to do it. Ah, oh, well, that's okay. But yeah. but the jockstrap one just went straight over my head. Is this head. some sort of reference to Jacques, who pops up in a few episodes' time? Oh, the bowling guy. Yeah, the guy who's always bowling and demanding onion rings. Four onion rings. Has yeah. he? Has he? Well, I mean, he he is a strapping man. Indeed. Maybe that's meant literally. I think we're going to have to revisit this in a few episodes' I think time. I think this that. is um a deep dive. That we'll have to get into. Bleeding Comes Murphy is really animated in this episode. He seems to... His face does things that no other face does. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot to say about him beyond that, except at the end of the episode. Bleeding Comes Murphy, we meet him midway through the episode. He's a jazz man. He's on a bridge. He's playing his jazz. He doesn't brush his teeth. He's, uh, the moon is too big in this scene. There's something going on there. Some it's sort huge. of uh, monstrous influence. I don't know. It could be a Colossus thing. But anyway, I have a feeling that Colossus has altered the gravity of the moon. Yeah, you know, I think that's implied pretty heavily. Mm. But uh, towards the end of the episode, we, mm. see, we see Bleeding Gums again. He's in the club. He's performing this song. And it's a song that Lisa sang to him earlier in the episode. It's a song mm. that Lisa came up with. And now Bleeding Gums is in the club. He's singing it. You know, I never used to think much about this. But now, as a as the creator of a world famous podcast, the mm-hmm. sole creator, I might add, um, um, it, it kind of it hits me that what is happening here 
is that this uh this old jazz man has blatantly stolen a song from an eight-year-old and is now performing it for profit. It's not great, is it? No, and the Lisa seems completely fine with it. She doesn't object. Well, she doesn't take issue. She she's too young to understand the intellectual property implications. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it's back to the IP freely issue, if you like. Um, uh, she's too young to understand the contractual uh, relationship that was uh, th- that is being circumvented yeah. by by his uh, blatant ripping off of her lyrics. Because actually, in music, copyright rests in the lyrics and the melody. Yep. And the lyrics and the melody were both Lisa's creation. So he has blatantly ripped that song off of her. IP is literally freely distributed in this episode, then. <clears throat> it literally is. So where does Jacques come into all of this? I don't know. Is he the one doing it? Is he the mastermind to all of this? I don't know if Jacques is mastermind material. I don't think I he's think mastermind material. that's a bit of a material. reach. But, uh, I mean, anyone who specifies the number of onion rings they want is a very simple mind. It's not a mastermind. You know, one thing from this episode, and this is one of these uh, The Simpsons that's ruined my life things that sure. I've alluded to in the other episodes. You know, Lisa leaves the house and she goes and she meets with this jazz man on a bridge and they hang out for a uh-huh. bit. And Lisa's a little worried, but not super worried. Sure. As a kid, I used to watch a lot of The Simpsons, mm. and I would see the way Bart and Lisa would just sort of gallivant around town freely, just meeting and hanging out with people. And I just used to think that life in America was very different from how it is in Australia. More food fights. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's part of it. I used to think people were getting pudding in their eye all the time. <laughs> yeah, a large part of it was that I thought... You know, there's that joke in the episode where they go to Australia to get ahead of ourselves a little bit, sure. where Homer says, so let your children run wild and free, for as the old saying goes, let your children run wild and free. <laughs> I used to think that was like an actual policy in America when I was younger. Well, I I mean, part of me thinks that in the late 70s, early 80s, like I understand we're talking late 80s, early 90s here, but I yep. think late 70s, early 80s, it it, it was a policy. Everyone just left it to Beaver, you think? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's exactly okay. what I think they did. No, honestly, I think it wouldn't be uncommon to see, you know, infants roaming the streets, mm. flipping off grandmothers, stealing, wall stealing packs their of infants that uh, took over Manhattan in the 70s. Yeah. The wall, wall packs? The wild packs. Wild packs. I thought did you meant I? the wall packs. I was like, no, I'm not talking about infants on walls. I'm talking about infants on the streets. Oh, okay. Possibly Wall Street. <laughs> Have you seen the trailers for this uh, this new Alec Baldwin film, Baby Boss? No, because it's that. It's what you just said. That's a movie now. <laughs> oh damn it! They stole my IP. <laughs> God damn it! God damn it! Shark. Anyway, uh, I'll get I've you got, for this shark. I've got one last point on this episode. Uh, there's a really genuinely nice thing towards the end where you know Marge has these memories of when she was a child. Her mother would tell her. To smile more, regardless of how she felt. She tells it to Lisa. Lisa goes to school. Marge sees the negative impact this has on her. Mm. And she pulls her out and tells her, no, it's perfectly fine to feel sad. We'll be there with you. Sitting there getting genuinely emotional watching this. But I was also thinking, this, this part of the episode, it is perfectly possible. There was a child watching this episode at some point when it first aired. And they saw the bit where Marge tells tells Lisa, you know, don't be sad, go out there, always smile, pretend you're happy even when you're not. 
and then got bored of the episode because it's a little preachy and stopped and just took the wrong message from it and held it in their heart forever. I mean, that seems like a possibility, right? It does seem like a possibility. I mean, I hadn't considered it until literally just then, but I think now it's um, it's, Canon. it's alarmingly possible. Yeah. Because it's like, you know the whole, um, I would have bored you with this story before. And I think you know this anyway, perhaps independently of me. Okay. The whole thing with Sesame Street and Snuffleupagus. Ah, oh, the whole thing where Snuffleupagus was meant to be imaginary? Well, initially he was yep. for a year or two. And then the the Psychologists Association of America came out and said like, no, 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 no. It's really bad to have a character where no one, be- none of the human adults believe Big Bird that Snuffy yeah. exists. Um, you need to make sure that other people can see him. And then Snuffy became something everyone could see. But then Richard Dawkins got really angry about that, as I recall. He came out and said, look, it's not okay. The Snuffleupagus is not real. Big yeah, Bird is got, provable. He and... got super dickish about it, didn't he? Yeah. Oh. Really uncharacteristic for Richard Dawkins. I know, he's normally so measured on things. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Should we, should we be making fun of Richard Dawkins on the podcast? He's I, a lot more powerful than we are. I don't think he listens. I feel like if he wanted to come for us, he could have us destroyed. I don't think he listens. And, you know, having read The God Delusion, I know that there'd be nothing afterwards. So it's, I don't think he listens. He, he, I think he might be. Hey, Ricky. <laughs> he might be He might be omnipresent. This is a... Ricky Dorco. Should we get into the next episode? Yeah, let's get into the next episode. All right, so um, what did we have after that? So after that, we had Call of the Simpsons. Call of the Simpsons. I had a favorite line very early on in Call of the Simpsons. Oh, yes. Where Flanders rocks up with his brand new uh, enormous RV. Yeah. And another thing that we don't... I mean, I guess in Australia, we would have a camper van. But to me, a camper van is like more like a... A ute that has a caravan glommed onto the back of it. Whereas I think an RV is more like a bus. I actually, I saw an RV the other day. Pulled up in a street near me. How was it? I took a photo of it. And I was going to send it to you. I thought, not that interesting. What? <laughs> hey, I would have loved it. But um, Flanders rocks up with his new RV and Homer says, well, I suppose it has various features. I like that line. It's incredibly vague. And the kind of thing I would say... If someone shows me photos of their RV, or for that matter, photos of their kids. <laughs> I suppose your child has many features. I suppose that was, oh, it plays the violin. Yay. Um, <laughs> yeah, but not to an adult <laughs> level. I went to choir school, I'll have you know. I went to choir slash hacky sack school. Do they teach you violin then? No, of course not. It was choir school. We couldn't play instruments. <laughs> Dinguses. The only instrument we played was the the sack. Um, if you're not singing, you were hacking. That's the, that was the school motto. Yeah. I suppose. So th- that was like a uh, thank God you're here level improvisation. And of course, you our keep school... making references to very Australian things. Oh, on this, uh, yeah. on this potentially, I'm sure that our international reach will be enormous. I talked about food fights for 45 seconds before. That's true. That's got the American audience covered. And I just mentioned RVs. So anyway, then Homer, jealous of the RV purchase of Flanders, goes to purchase his own RV. Yep. Now, you know, there's a the ends up buying an absolute shit box and getting really screwed on the on the deal by the way. $350 a month. How much is that in today's money? Like uh 17,000? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. 
One thing that bothered me about this uh, this whole scene at the car lot with uh, Bob, who I assume was voiced by Hank Azaria, didn't look it up, but it seems like one of his. Seems. Uh, God, maybe I shouldn't speculate, but I will anyway, because this is my podcast and I'll do as I want. I'm fairly certain that a thing on the internet which proves to be not correct won't get called out by the internet. Yeah. Should we make a website? Is this HankAzaria.com? No, we yeah. shouldn't. That's not really funny. Uh, the... <laughs> The thing that bothered me in this scene is when they're checking out that giant RV that they end up not being able to afford, Lisa looks around and says, this is better than our house. Lisa is very unaware of her own privilege in this show. Because it is a fairly enormous house in which they live. Their house is fucking dynamite, wall to wall. Dynamite. Exactly. Dangerous house, dynamite, wall to wall. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, you remember that dynamite shack I used to live in? (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure what exploded worse The housing market or the house itself <laughs> uh, You really suffered the housing boom If you know what I mean No I don't What's, what's the joke there Oh see But there, there was a thing called the housing boom Yep okay uh, Which is when house prices became really really big Yep sure and then Real big boom is also an onomatopoeia an explosion. Oh, okay. The kind cause, you know, some. Uh, well, technically, sorry. In 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 the world of cartoons, the onomatopoeia for dynamite, I believe, is kaboom, not boom. You experience the housing kaboom. The housing kaboom. Kaboom. Oh, the car boom. So, Just like in this episode. The RVs. <laughs> Did you notice? When they when Homer goes into the office and he's got bad credit and the siren goes off. Yeah. That's a funny joke that they really over-explained in this episode. There was like a 15-minute monologue from Bob <laughs> about what that alarm meant it's and why it went off. It is a good point. Really they really overdid it. Yeah, they, they, they really oversold that one. Um, also, you know what's the thing I find interesting about the, the horrible deal for the shitty RV? Yep. Is that this comes... Well, hang on. Sorry. Let's go back a bit. Can we establish in Simpsons canon... What is the length between episodes? Is there a uniform length? Or are we getting various snippets of their life? Could be a year between episodes. Could be an hour between episodes. Is there a thing? I would assume there isn't. That seems like a fair assumption. Good riff, Jackal. Um, No, because... So this is episode seven. In episode one... They had the crushing financial defeat of Homer not getting his Christmas bonus and yep. Christmas being ruined. Given yep. that this episode is quite summery when they yep. end up in the woods, there's sure. no rain or bad weather, we're looking at five to six months later. Sure. And Homer has recovered to a point where well, he's, he's signing up to an objectively horrible deal. He also received a pretty solid promotion in that time. Back in ah, episode the promotion. Oh. <sighs> Good point. Okay. But it's still, it's a fair point. It seems like he's uh, got some solid savings going. Somehow. Somehow savings. Be a bad name for a sitcom. But a good name for a radio show. Anyway. Hosted by Paul Clitheroe. When they're in the RV. (laughs) when When they're in their RV, they're driving into the wilderness... Bud and Lisa are playing a game called uh, What's That Odor? I've been wondering, do you think we should start playing that on this podcast? <laughs> In my house, I wouldn't recommend it. Because <laughs> every week, the answer's going to be, I don't know, something rotting in the sink. Is there anything in the <clears throat> sink right now? 
Too visual. It's a... Um, oh, there are some not very washed dishes in the sink. That's entirely fine. Although I, I did light a candle before, and that candle, it's a man candle, and it's meant to smell like leather and bourbon. Wait, what? Why do you own that? <laughs> Someone gave it to me as a present. Okay. You didn't just like find it under a bridge or something? Just a whole crate of them? Oh, no, it was a person under a bridge that gave me the candle. Oh, okay. Do they call them man candle. candles or mandals? I believe this is a man candle. Okay, okay. They, they, they didn't portmanteau it. I mean, that's just fucking bad, though. Man candles? Yeah, just uh, on I a mean, basic conceptual level. <laughs> the problem is, as a concept, man candles aren't great. I have to admit, I really like the smell of that candle. <laughs> it is a great smelling candle. But I've had women also say they like that candle. How much candle chat are you having? <laughs> Mate, I've got a Forest Berry Glade candle over there. That one's bullshit compared to the Leather and Bourbon. Forest Berry Glade. That sounds much better than Leather and Whiskey. The Leather and Bourbon. <laughs> leather and Bourbon. I don't know. That just sounds like Don't a mix you brown spirits. waking up after a bad night. <laughs> I'm not going to ask. I don't want to know. It's pretty um, fair. Um, sorry, what you were saying about something about driving the... Oh, well, you watched that odor. Yes. Yeah. Very sure. funny riff. I enjoyed that. Um, the RV ends up going off a cliff. Yeah, which is absurd. Yeah, very absurd. And then while we were watching the RV plummet off the cliff, and then you know the the explosion and the rising smoke, yeah. my first thought was, "Oh, that's very Chuck Jones." And then I thought about it some more. I thought, "Wait, is it possible for a long shot of anything falling off a cliff and then smoke rising?" To not look like Chuck Jones? There was a very Looney Tunesy thing going on in this whole episode. Yeah. Because, oh, yeah, when, the, um, uh, when Homer creates the rabbit trap, yeah. the way the rabbit gets flung and the long, long, long pause before it lands, very Looney Tunesian. Speaking of... Why the long pause? Because it was a rabbit. Hey! Dun, 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 dun. Bump. Speaking of um, Homer creating the trap, so he keeps dropping this line that he's an experienced woodsman and no one questions him on it. And it took me a while but I figured out why. It's because he's wearing a bucket hat. Because only people who are devoid of social skills enough to spend their time in the woods, away from civilization, fighting for their own survival... Only those morons wear bucket hats. Wow, you are alienating a huge portion of the audience right now. No. Look, if you're wearing... Just imagine a... all these people taking off their hats and hurling them on the ground in anger. Good, because then they'll keep listening to our podcast. That's better than ripping out their earbuds and throwing them on the ground in anger, storming off into the sunset with their <laughs> stupid bucket hatty silhouette. That's probably true. That's probably true. Um, so I think the only... Because re- even Marge says at one point, Oh, well, yeah, your, your father's an experienced woodsman. No, he's not. But it's the bucket hat. The bucket hat tricks people. The, you think the hat has some sort of mind control thing happening? Who do you reckon would be responsible for a mind control hat? I can't think of anyone in The Simpsons who... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maggie. No. <laughs> Dr. Colossus. I reckon it's Colossus. Yeah. Except what was his end game at getting Homer to... No. I know exactly what it is because so so the end game he he put the hat on Homer the mind control hat on Homer sure. that led to a sequence of events that ended and I'm jumping ahead in the episode here but we'll come back that ended in the fake footage of Bigfoot now what would a supernatural um, uh, evil genius want to hide behind they want 
fake footage of Bigfoot out in the public eye. So that then, while everyone's off dancing around the decoy bloody Bigfoot going, oh, look at him and his delection for pork chops, he can just be up there changing the gravity of the moon, pulling it forward, crushing Earth under its own gravitational field. Colossus. Colossus in the mind control hat. God damn. I've had a lot to drink tonight. (laughs) Sorry, I wanted to make a joke, but that was... That runs... This is running so much deeper than I ever could have anticipated. Mm. I mean, I knew that Colossus was the backbone of the series and, mm. you know, that he influenced the actions in every episode, whether mm. we could see it or not. But mm. this is mm. this is really something. In many ways, Colossus is a character of the show. You know, in some ways, Springfield, <laughs> this is a sixth character in oh, the Simpson family. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In much in the same way that Liverpool was the fifth member of the Beatles. Oh my God, really? <laughs> I don't know. It was Liverpool? <laughs> Liverpool. I've got a question for you. <laughs> I can't wait. At one point, the RV, after the RV goes off the cliff and they're all looking down at the heaping wreck that they all narrowly escape dying in because Homer is a very bad driver and somehow nearly drives a car directly off a cliff, which is fucking crazy. Lisa looks down and she says, The Simpsons have entered the forest in this great voice. Is that is that a thing? Is that a reference to something? Yeah, that's what is that meant to be or is that just like she's saying something strange and it's just there and it's like, I, yeah, I think it's like they say it like it's meant to be a thing, but I don't know what thing that's meant to be. I don't know what thing that's meant to be either. I mean, I take it as well, here was a perfectly peaceful, tranquil thing and we've ruined it with our missile of bullshit. That's what I took it to mean. But I, I also thought, they're lingering on that line for a long time. That yeah. must be a reference that I don't understand. What does it mean to enter the forest? Is this some sort of Werner Herzog thing? Or is this uh, I don't know. <laughs> what are we to believe here? Who? Warney Hedgehog. I said Werner Herzog. Is that like a cricket player that's also an echidna? <laughs> Warney Hedgehog? No. Bowling Warney Hedgehog. Wow, that's... um. I've got no follow-up to that. It's... I'm sorry that I don't understand culture on the same level that you do. <laughs> I'm not sorry at all. Um, do you think it's odd that they fell... So they, they tumbled down a waterfall. And yes. then both Homer and Bart come out of it completely... Nude. Completely... Naked. Nude. Now, do you think it's... Like, how much force are they going through in that waterfall to for get it your, to yeah. tear off several layers of clothing? Unless they landed on some pretty fucking jagged rocks. I so. mean, though, but then, then, you'd be sliced. You know, you'd be might sliced have, from might gullet to throat. What might, what might have happened? Bart might have gotten his little dick ripped off. Uh, we're back to Bart's junk. Well, it's been an ongoing theme in most of the episodes so far. It seems like a real possibility. Uh, is it Freudian? Is it... I think I everything's Freudian, really. Well, I mean, you if you want to look at it, it that down. Way. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, uh, I yeah. mean, I, I thought what I've got written on the page here is I think the entire reason they lost their clothes mm. going over that waterfall is sure. that the animators thought it would be funny to draw them naked. I think you're probably right. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, but going back to the bucket hat thing, yeah. Um, of so, so the whole point I was making is that he says he's an experienced woodsman and it's clearly bullshit and people only believe him because of the bucket hat. But the bucket hat gives him, through the work of Colossus, the power to build that trap, which is a surprisingly complex trap. He builds it it, really fast. I mean, it doesn't work. 
Yeah. But it's still surprisingly complex. I mean, it does work as a way of killing the rabbit. That rabbit is fucking dead. Oh, that rabbit dead. is dead. Only, yeah. pro- only problem is you need, like... Um, oh, I tried to make an American football reference, but I don't know any of the position names. Receiver, a wide receiver, on, like, the other end of the gorge to catch the rabbit. Yeah, I think receiver's the word. You need the quarterback to throw the ball to, to the it. other guy. I believe it's called whiffing then it. then runs it to the touchdown zone and kicks it for a behind. Okay, there are a lot of words in there that I'm question that I'm finding quite questionable. <laughs> yes, as, as you should, because yes. I NFL is one of those games where I know the mechanics, but none of the terminology or players or teams. Um, I think they're called doctors when they're operating on humans rather than machines. Yeah. Okay. There's a joke about mechanics. <laughs> is that what that was? <laughs> Oh, is it a joke, Nick? You're calling it a joke, <laughs> Deeply perplexed by that. <laughs> I can tell by the look in your eyes. You're just like, where are you fucking going with this, man? Sorry. The other really Looney Tunes moment in this is when they come across a beehive. And Homer, like a fucking yeah. idiot, says, Hey, there's honey in this one. I'm going to reach in there and get it. Oh, there's booze! It's ridiculous. It's super ridiculous. I mean, I, it's... Yeah, like, I can't even think of a Looney Tunes character that would do that, but it is very... Toonsian. So I think. Sorry, I'm just saying. I reckon at his most perplexing, yep. I reckon Daffy would give it a go. I think Daffy might be the one, yeah. I think Daffy's the one. Everyone else has slightly too many smarts. You say Stafford Succotash. I got some bees in my mouth. No, that's not. That's Is that Sylvester? Suffer and Succotash is Sylvester. Yeah, okay, Sylvester. Okay, okay. By the way, I only just found out like two years ago that Succotash is a dish. <laughs> you only just found out. Two years ago is not an I only just found out. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. What I mean is relative to how long I've known that phrase, yep. I only just found out that succotash is it's like a corn-based, creamy, milky stew thing. It's a really weird thing for a cat to be into. The beans. And why is it suffering? What? What is... What? Trauma is this corn dish being subjected to. I mean, to. Sylvester knows a lot about suffering as well. You would think that he would not use that word lightly. I wouldn't have thought so. Yeah. Poor cat. It really makes you think. About cats. About cats. Yeah. A lot of bad marriages on the fringes of The Simpsons, I think. Yeah, so the douchebag camp is an interesting one. Yeah. Um. So... The bear, uh, through the bear, through the lens of the bear, we come across a douchebag camper arguing about how many squirrels and raccoons he hasn't seen. Um, and, you know, his, um, his uh, well-meaning but uh, clearly has put up with a lot wife yeah. keeps trying to remain on the positive side of things while he's being a big douchebag. And I've actually got a theory about the wife. Of course you do, yes. She, uh, her voice is a younger Helen Lovejoy. Yep. And this goes back to my split time, same universe theory. Sure. Which, I'm not sure if anyone's playing along at home, but that name has changed literally every time I've referred to it. So clearly it's a well-formed theory. Um, but I think what happened there is that this is her first marriage and she was married to a massive douchebag who only thought of himself and kept putting all mistakes and failures onto her. And didn't respect bears. Didn't respect bears. Um, and then... Uh, I think after this marriage, when she eventually, I don't know, maybe this guy was killed by a bear that he disrespected. He was taken down in the drive-by. Who knows? Um, after that, she went, I'm going to go to someone who thinks about someone other than themselves. And then foolishly went with a priest yeah. or a reverend. 
Well, his name's Reverend Lovejoy. Why do I call yeah. him a priest? Reverend Lovejoy, the priest. The priest. Yeah, that's his name, Reverend. Yeah, remember... Um, uh, Reverend Priest. Reverend Priest. Jason remember, Priestley. Remember at choir school when we had Reverend Father Jason Priestley? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. that wasn't very funny. That's all right. Uh, anyway, time travel is a thing. Yeah, okay, so... Wait a minute, how does time travel factor in? Because should, couldn't she have just like broken up with him the next day and gone and... I don't know, but it was a young Helen Lovejoy. And, uh, well, we haven't met Helen Lovejoy yet, have we? I don't think so. No, well, maybe, it, maybe it's not time travel, but I like to think that young Helen Lovejoy and modern-day Helen Lovejoy coexist in the live same... Live simultaneously. Live simultaneously in the, same, you know, in the same time stream. Somewhere the streams got crossed. Okay. Possibly when the Simpsons... So wait a minute, wait a minute. This is something new then. You're, you're saying she didn't intentionally travel back. She got unstuck in time like Billy Pilgrim in Slaughterhouse-Five and just appeared in this other timeline without even... I mean, that's not really what happens in Slaughterhouse-Five at all, but she gets unstuck, she appears in a different timeline, she's existing twice No, well, that's, at once. That, that's what I've been saying my, my whole time through, all of my examples. So there was... Burns as the young psychiatrist, the young. But hasn't there been an implication that the travel has been intentional up to this point? Uh, uh well, look, perhaps I wasn't phrasing it as clearly as I could have been. Maybe I but, just haven't been listening hard enough. <laughs> I mean, who can say in this world go mad? <laughs> but I always had the intention that young school psychiatrist Burns and old, uh, evil megalomaniacal Burns, yeah, old co- Burns, coexist in the same universe. Okay. Um. Um, young Krabappel who teaches a special school and modern day Krabappel who struggles in grade four, well not struggles in grade four, struggles to control grade four, exist in the same universe. We're seeing the old and the young together. You know, to make this really interesting, the the current showrunner of The Simpsons, whose name I do not remember because I don't really watch The Simpsons anymore until we get up to it on this podcast, I suppose, but the current showrunner has said that his ideal ending for the show would be that the final episode ends with the Simpsons arriving to go to the the uh, the recital at the beginning of the first episode of The Simpsons. Do you reckon we'll finally see Norm then? <laughs> Do you think Norm will pop up again in the very last episode? I bloody hope so. God, that's... Uh, I hope people remember who Norm is. <laughs> Anyone who's made it this far into our ridiculous <laughs> podcast. Speaking of which, there is... A surprising amount we have not gone around to covering in this episode yet. So the I don't, I don't know how long we've been going. I don't think it matters. Let's we can talk about the. Uh, yeah. Let's go. I want to talk about these bears that kidnap Maggie. Okay. There is some pretty severe negligence going on here mm-hmm. with these. The bears are you know Marge thinks that Maggie is with Homer. Homer thinks that Maggie is with Marge. Maggie has literally been kidnapped by a bunch of fucking grizzly bears. Bunch of bears. And having seen Werner Herzog's Grizzly Man, I know that what usually happens when people hang around. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Nick is losing it right now. Oh, yeah. What usually happens is that uh, people get fucked up by bears. They get mauled. So I've got this, um, look, I've got a bit of a theory here. Bit of a. Is this a moment where we lean into the mics? Is it that kind of theory? I'm, I'm not really sure yet. I think. Okay, we just sorry. Need to... I'm, I'm back. Okay, on. so Maggie, she's kidnapped by bears. The whole thing seems, you know, it's funny. It's a jape. It's fun on the screen, but it's it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous what's happening here, right? Do you mean ludicrous the rapper? I, I did. I was making a little 
shout out to my boy Ludacris, but I also yeah, try to make a point here. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, so these bears, there is no way the bears, in my mind, don't just kill Maggie. Just, right. Yeah, so my thinking is the Simpsons realize, they realize what they've done, right? And as a coping mechanism, <laughs> yes, the rest of the the rest of the series <laughs> the rest of the series is just a fantasy that they have invented to deal with their negligence. Oh God, I'm so happy that that was that theory because <laughs> i I thought I saw it coming. I'm so glad it was. Okay, well, that's a very interesting theory. Yeah. I definitely think there's a strong possibility that the baby is killed by the bears. Mm. And then the rest is just, I mean, would the phrase drug-induced psychosis be an unfair characterization? I just think they just slip back into their own minds. That's why their adventures are so wacky, man. I mean, in many ways, it's like Sucker Punch. Yeah, probably. I'm not going to see that fucking film. <laughs> the other major plot point, sure. and I think we can agree this is a perfectly reasonable way for the episode to end. Uh, some guy sees Homer with some mud on him, thinks he's Bigfoot. Yep. Yeah, it's just, you know, they think he's Bigfoot, and why wouldn't you, right? It is such a ludicrous turn, and no, I don't mean the rapper. Um, that ludicrous is- turn? <laughs> my favorite rapper. <laughs> <coughs> yo, 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 ludicrous turn. Don't try to do that. Oh, was that? Oh, sorry. I'd like to apologize. Um, no, it's a completely ridiculous turn because he's not even that well ca- camouflaged in the mud. He's literally just a muddy person. Do people really not know the difference between a a a Bigfoot, a Sasquatch, if you will? Yep. Wait, is it is there a, is Sasquatch and Bigfoot the same thing? I definitely referred to him as Sasquatch several times in my notes. Yes. Is Sasquatch a wintry Bigfoot? That's a Yeti. Fuck. I think Sasquatch is a big. I think Bigfoot is a specific Sasquatch. Okay. Ah, uh, interesting. Cool. How do Yowies fit into this? <laughs> a Yowie, um, the. The little chocolatey treat you give a child. Yeah, yeah. That is available only in Australia and contains a little toy. Yeah. Well, the um, I think it's related to the bunyip, isn't it? Yeah, it is related to the bunyip. You know, the local paper in Gaul is called the bunyip. Yeah? Yeah. I don't doubt it. Uh, and how did that relate to... Wait, is the bilby a real creature or a mythical creature? I think a bilby's real. <laughs> a bilby's real. Hang on. Can I quickly Google this? Okay, I'm just going to talk while you do that then. So... So yeah, Homer gets mistaken for a big-footed creature. He is eventually captured, tranquilized, taken in. Sorry, I started searching, are bilbies real? And then I got, are Bible stories true? Different thing. Well, that's, uh, that's not for us to say. I'm sure the show will tell us eventually. So, huh. Apparently, a bilby is actually a rabbit-eared bandicoot. Rabbit-eared bandicoot. Unaware of that. I didn't know that. Well. And now we know more about and, Bandicoots and, than we did a and, moment ago. And this has been Native Australian Animal Corner. So there was something you pointed out to me in this whole end section where they're showing footage <laughs> on the TV. Oh, so I'm captured and they've washed the mud off and he's very clearly just a person. And I'm sure anyone who's seen the episode will recognize this bit of footage. It's during the news 
report, I believe. And there is um, footage of Homer. He's in like an isolation tank. He's being fed a pork chop, which looks more like a steak, but we'll take that it's a pork chop, through like a little window in this isolation tank. Then, in perhaps the worst Homer voice of all time, he asks for more applesauce. Honestly, if you haven't watched that episode for a while, go back and watch just this section, because in the middle of that, a thing comes up at the bottom of the screen saying it's file footage, which implies that it's not from when Homer was found to be a Bigfoot. It's from a prior incident. And when I found this out, I dissolved into a jelly-like state of laughter because it's just a wonderful unanswered question of what was this footage from? I mean, there's only a few things it could have been. Could have been a Frank thing. Could have been a Colossus thing. I reckon it's a Colossus thing. Could have been a Jacques thing. I don't know. I mean, no, my, my money's on... Hey. Yeah? You know your home as a serial killer theory... I wouldn't call it a theory, but yeah, sure. It's, you know, it's, it's it's proven fact. Yeah, it's definitely supported by the text. Okay, so your um, uh, interpretation, your your my uh, my I've, my understanding, your of the uh, your understanding that home is a serial killer. Yes, and it is clear that Bart is a is, troubled kid. Sure, and his intended victim. Uh, yes, but what if? What if? Jekyll. Yeah. I pose the question to you that the sure. the split time universe has actually appeared again and Homer is Bart. Homer is Bart. Yeah. Is this uh, is this supported by the episode at all? <laughs> Not specifically by this episode. I just wonder. And maybe well, sorry, I thought the file footage of him being surveyed may have been because they detected, you know, tears in the universe around him and thought we'd better put this guy in a plastic tank and feed him pork chops because that's how science is done Um, and to see if we can find any ripples in time because I think that the young Bart grows up to be Homer and they both coexist in the same house because Homer who has been young Bart knows that only he can steer Bart on the right path so that he does not make the same mistakes that Homer did when Homer was Bart. Huh. Okay. I mean, that's a, that's an interesting theory. Yeah. Only a theory, though. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's supported by fact. Well, I mean, pretty hard for that to happen in an entirely fictional work. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But I think you might be onto something here. I think it's definitely proven at this point that there are multiple universes all smashing together. And, I think uh, so. You know, how that'll play out over the next 500 fucking episodes is... Uh, Smash. Very up in the air. Smash. Yeah. And we will definitely be able to maintain all of these theories across multiple... My head is already hurting. And I've only got two theories in it. So the way this episode ends, they're watching... Footage on the TV debating whether Homer was Bigfoot or not because the first season's fucking silly. And uh, mm. a scientist comes on TV and says that this Homer is either a below average human or a brilliant beast, which is, I'd like to be known as a brilliant beast, I think. Yeah, I could definitely live with that moniker. <laughs> is that how that word was pronounced? M O N I K E R. Yeah, I realized I wanted to use it. I'm like, is that, is that the right pronouncer? Is it? Yeah, no, I think it's the right, I think it's the right pronunciation. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, and then they cut to Homer and Marge. They're in the bedroom, and Homer's like, oh, I'm not very happy about any of this. And uh, Marge looks at him with those, you know, she definitely is thinking about things, and she says, uh, Homer, my brilliant beast. And then they probably fuck. But the question I have... sure. Marge seems very happy with Homer in this moment. Like, things have gone well, but we look on what has happened in this episode... Homer is committed to a $350 a month repayment on an RV that he immediately destroyed by driving off a cliff, nearly killing his family in the process. And that's probably not going to get him out of the contract for payment, by the way. I would imagine not. No. I don't think that would be covered by any form of insurance. I wouldn't have thought so. Because he drove it very dangerously, and the family expressed that they were scared. He entered the forest. Yeah. As as is the, um, the standard phrase that we're all familiar with, so... He drives Made off a cliff. by Warney Hedgehog. Yeah, exactly. And he's, he's a fucking bad driver. He drives it right off a cliff. It explodes. He builds a terrible shelter. He leaves. Doesn't properly protect his daughter Maggie, so she gets killed by bears. He falls off a waterfall with Bart. Uh, maybe maybe Bart gets his dick ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> he just disappears into the forest for several days. This is his fault in the first place. What is Marge so happy about? This is if this was any normal family, they'd be you know, they'd be like the the dickhead camper and his lovely lovejoy wife. Post traumatic stress disorder over a bear shredded baby. That's why Marge 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 isn't Marge isn't happy. Marge is oblivious. Marge can't take in anything from yeah. the perception of uh, from the plane of perception on which you and I exist. Sure. Which um which band was it that put out that album, uh, Bear Shredded Baby? <laughs> <laughs> Bear Shredded Baby. Um, I believe that was by Oasis, wasn't it? <laughs> Sorry, th- there's no joke there. That was just me. I should have said James Blunt. Damn. I'm just I'm in my head. I'm trying to change Baby on board, but it's not quite happening. Uh, Don't try. <laughs> no, I won't try. <laughs> All right. Well, that felt like about three hours, so I think we're probably. Yeah. I think we're probably done, are we? I think that's the first time that we've gone ultra marathon styles. I think we're done. Okay. Thank, thank you for listening. He's at Jikel, G-I-C-K-L-E. J-I-C-K-L-E, yeah. Oh, I said G, didn't I? You sure did. J-I- that's Gickle. <laughs> Wait, is there a Gickle? Let's, let's, I don't know. Let's talk to them. Uh, I'm Nick Ivis, N-I-C-K-I-B-I-S. Thanks for listening. And this has been Pods in the Key, uh, etc. You know the rest. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a little less crucial now that I've got the ability to balance it. It's just that if you get get crunchy, I might. Okay. That was lovely. Yeah. Uh, Cool.